worship this morning, I read just a verse in Psalm 66 and verse 8. God's word says, Bless our God, O peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard, who has kept our soul among the living and does not let our feet slip. We're going to sing praise to God as we turn in our psalm books to Psalm 62a. Uh, and if you should also, if you haven't got uh, your own psalm book, you'll have received the words in PDF. Psalm 62a, and we're seeing the opening six verses of this. Uh, the tune is 163. She knows 163, Psalm 62a, my soul in silence waits for God, my saviour he has proved, he only is my rock and tower, he saves and not be moved. So Psalm 62a, 1 to 6, and the tune is 163, we praise God together. My soul in silence waits for God. My Savior, He has proved, He only is my rock and tower, He saves and not be moved. Thank 
let's pray together and lead us in prayer. Mighty God of heaven and earth, we gather in our homes and yet together today to worship you. We acknowledge you to be the only God that there is, the God in whom we live and move and have our being, the God who is one, yet three in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we gather at your command to worship and magnify and exalt your great and worthy name, who is like you, the Lord our God. We acknowledge in our prayer as we have acknowledged in our praise that you're the rock and the refuge of your people, that you're the strong tower to which we run, that you're the God who has always been and is and always will be, that you're the God who has counted all our days, that you're the God who comes behind us, goes with us and goes before us. And we worship and bless you. We thank you for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his perfect life, keeping the law that we were called to keep, but could not and would not of ourselves. We bless you that he was obedient in every point of the law, and obedient even unto death on the cross. We thank you for his great sacrifice for sinners like us. We thank you, mighty God, that you accepted all that your Son accomplished and proved that acceptance by raising him triumphant from the dead. And it is in the name of our living Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that we gather to worship you today. We stand before you in our need, more aware now than ever before of the frailty of our lives, that they are, as your word says, a little mist that appear for a while and then vanish. But you are the God who remains sure and firm forever. We are more aware, Heavenly Father, than we have been before of our shortcomings and our sinfulness, and that you are the God before whom we will all stand. And so we are more thankful than ever before for our precious Saviour, Jesus Christ, who endured all the holy wrath of God in our place. We bless you, mighty God, for your Son at your right hand. And we rejoice that you have given to him all authority in heaven and on earth, that he's ruling the nations, that he's ruling the unfolding of history and governing all of the moments and the movements of our lives. We need your word, mighty God. We need to hear your voice from heaven. And so we ask that you would speak to us today in these songs that your spirit breathed out, in the word that he gave, and in that word explained and applied to our lives. We pray, Father, that although the circumstances are not what we long for them to be together, that we would be together again, but that we would meet with you, each one of us, and as we see each other on the screen and remember one another, we ask that you'd be speaking into all our lives. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> 
you'd like to turn with me, if you have your Bible uh, to hand, to, to Isaiah chapter 26. These Lord's Day mornings in Isaiah, I have taken a couple of words out of chapter 40 as the theme for these uh, various addresses. In Isaiah 40, verse 1, uh, God said to his servants, Comfort, comfort my people. And there is plenty to comfort us in Isaiah, a book full of many precious promises. And this morning we're going to be looking at a promise in Isaiah chapter 26. I'm going to read all of this chapter, uh, however, just now in Isaiah chapter 26. Let us hear God's word. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. Open the gates that the righteous nation that keeps faith may enter in. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stead on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. For he has humbled the inhabitants of the height, the lofty city. He lays it low, lays it low to the ground, cast it to the dust. The foot tramples it, the feet of the poor, the steps of the needy. The path of the righteous is level. You make level the way of the righteous. In the path of your judgments, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. My soul yearns for you in the night. My spirit within me earnestly seeks you. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world learn righteousness. If favor is shown to the wicked, he does not learn righteousness. In the land of, the upright, in the land of uprightness, he deals corruptly and does not see the majesty of the Lord. O Lord, your hand is lifted up, but they do not see it. Let them see your zeal for your people and be ashamed. Let the fire of your adversities consume them. O Lord, you will ordain peace for us. For you have indeed done for us all our works. O Lord, our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us. But your name alone we bring to remembrance. They are dead, they will not live. They are shades, they will not arise. To that end, you have visited them with destruction and wiped out all remembrance of them. But you have increased the nation, O Lord. You have increased the nation, you are glorified. You have enlarged all the borders of the land. O Lord, in distress they sought you, they poured out a whispered prayer. When you discipline, when your discipline was upon them, like a pregnant woman who rises and cries out in her pangs, and she is near to giving birth, so were we because of you, O Lord. We were pregnant, we writhe, but we have given birth to the wind. We have accomplished no deliverance in the earth, and the inhabitants of the world have not fallen. Your dead shall live, their bodies shall rise. You who dwell in the dust, awake and sing for joy. For your Jew is the Jew of, is the Jew of light. The earth will give birth to the dead. Come, my people, enter your chambers and shut your doors behind you. 
hide yourselves for a little while until the fury has passed by. For behold, the Lord is coming out from his place. Punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. And the earth will disclose the blood shed on it and will no more cover its slain. Well, this morning, with God's help, I want to direct your attention to Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3 and 4. You might entitle this, Peace, Peace in the Pandemic or in the Plague. I think if we were, we were honest, we would say that peace is a fairly rare commodity these days. The strain of the circumstances is unpacking on virtually everyone, young and old. I was listening yesterday to a program on Radio 4 and uh, one of the commentators was saying, uh, the medical experts was saying, the stress and strain is so great on people's health, it is like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Well, I'm sure you're not doing that, but that's some measure of the strain that they say everyone is under. Many of us have a knot in our stomachs, some of us are more easily agitated these days than before. The evening news causes the tension to soar and peace to plummet. And Christians are not immune. We have a sense of apprehension. An uneasiness haunts our path. And of course, there's a balance here, isn't there? It would be a very odd thing for us not to be feeling uh, something of the situation of our world. It would be a rather strange thing if we were not deeply saddened by the daily statistics. And that's a natural and a proper thing to feel a, a sorrow for that. And yet at the same time, there's a long for peace and a calm in our hearts. So we want to listen to these words from God today to us. Thankfully, it's not fake news, nor is it cleverly crafted psychological manipulation. They are words straight from heaven. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Let me help you for a little while this morning to interact with those words from God. First of all, we might consider the need for peace. If you're looking and following in your Bible, you'll see that from verse 1, the setting of this wonderful promise for us today is a song. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. What was that day? Well, that day can be looked at on many different levels for God's people. That day was the day of judgment, when God's judgment was breaking on the nations all around about. Israel in the north had already felt his hand. Judah now was about to be carried off into Babylon. That was the day, a day of terrifying circumstances, a day of devastating events. God's hand seemed against them, and his hand was against all of the nations around about, and life was being turned upside down. 
they would not only hear this song and sing this song in, in the process of being carried away into captivity, but in Babylon itself, they would reflect on this song. A new normal would, had settled on their lives. A normal of being disconnected from their families, very different work situations, their old patterns of worship all completely changed. That was the day. It would also, this song, be sung in the day when God's people would eventually be allowed to return. And they would uh, turn to the land of Judah and Jerusalem and they would sing this song in that day too. Tough, difficult, trying times of change. And the Lord knew that his people would feel the intensity of the turmoil. And so we give them this song when nothing seemed to be the same, when everything was different in their lives, a song to sing to bolster their faith. Not an empty song of emotion. Uh, I, I watched with tears in my eyes in the news the other evening when some uh, elderly residents of a care home were wheeled outside and they were, they were singing together the, the, the words of that wartime song, We'll Meet Again. Devastating. And some of them trying to find some solace in that. Well, this song is different. It's a song from God, something that we can rely on. And it was a song about a certain future. The song was, was, was basically saying, though judgment would be all around, God's city would flourish. Verse 1, we have a strong city. He sets up salvation as walls and bulwarks. It was a song to remind them that God's city would have the victory. The city of man, the activities of man would fall in the judgment of God on the nations. Nations that have ignored him. But God's city, God's work, God's purposes would be kept and would go on with great success. And when Isaiah was writing of this judgment on the nation, those judgments on the nations in Isaiah's day were little foreshocks of the last great judgment of God that is coming on this earth. And even this pandemic is a, is a little uh, signpost towards the day when God will call a halt to everything that's happening over the whole earth. And that day, that day of final judgment will be a day of joy for the church of Jesus Christ. It says in Isaiah chapter 25 and, and verse 9, it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We've waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. So here was this song given to God's people in the context of judgment all around that was pointing to the great judgment to come and God's people were troubled. They felt it. And is that not our situation? We're troubled by all that's going on around us. Can we say for certain this is the judgment of God? Well, we need to be very careful about that. But we can say for certain that this is the hand of God. Well, there's nothing that happens in his world 
without his sovereign ways unfolding. And it troubles us. The news of escalating fatalities. We have tension in our own hearts. There are tensions in families. We see fear in the eyes of our leaders and the experts. We're worried for our family, for vulnerable friends, for those on the front line. And into a nation of fear that is no peace brings these amazing words. Of course, many people try all sorts of things to try and blank out the circumstances. But all of those are insufficient. It's interesting how God has removed all the things that people often use to distract themselves from the realities of life. No sport, no shops. Just time for men and women to sit and think of the purposes of God. And God is speaking into this unrest across the world. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stead on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. The need for peace. But secondly then, there's the promise of peace. Look at the words. Hear them again. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stead on you, because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Rock. This is no hype. This is heaven's call into our troubled world and our lives of turmoil. Peace. There's something even in the in the speaking of that word out loud, isn't there? Peace. Those of us who are older can remember when peace came to Northern Ireland. And there was a cessation of violence. I, I can remember the day and I can remember exactly where I was. And we thank God for the peace. Many of us can remember the, the patrols, the bombings, the tit-for-tat shootings. There's peace. Not perfect peace. And not even peace in the way that this word here in our Bible is speaking, we think of peace simply being as the, the cessation of strife, the ending of conflict. You, you know this word. The word that's used here in God's word, it's the, it's the word shalom. E.J. Young is a very famous uh, Old Testament scholar from past decades. He wrote of this word, shalom is the wholeness and fullness of well-being, true repose, wholeness, the fullness of well-being. It's inviting, isn't it? It's calming to the heart, peace. In our verses, it's translated, you, you will keep him in perfect peace. Literally, actually, you will keep him in peace, peace. What a promise for God to make in that day of trouble that was breaking all around the people in Isaiah's day, that day of trouble that breaks in every age, and that day of trouble that will come at the return of Christ. What a promise from God for a day of uncertainty. What a promise from God for stomach-churning anxiety. Peace, 
peace. In, in the Hebrew language, that's the way of expressing some superlative. Uh, forgive the, the incorrect grammar. Somebody might say in our culture, it's the bestest ever. And they, they want to stress just how great something is. Well, in the Hebrew language, God had a method for that. Peace, peace, peace of mind, peace for the heart. Peace for the will, peace for the emotions, wholeness, peace like no other, excellent peace, unparalleled peace, unrivaled peace, peace that holds us together when it seems that life is falling apart, peace that calms the, our anxious hearts, peace that banishes despondency, peace to live through trauma and tears. Peace to carry us on amidst loss. Peace that keeps us going when we feel like stopping in our tracks. You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stead on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord God is an, is an everlasting rock. You see, it's no ordinary peace. Did you, did you hear it? You keep him in perfect peace. And the you is the triune God. This is a peace that comes from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And out of this world, supernatural peace. Surely the Apostle Paul had these very words in his, in his mind. He would have known them as a, as a scholar. When he wrote the words of Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It comes from God. We can't manufacture it, but God gives it. Look down to verse 12. O oh Lord, you will ordain peace for us. He gives it freely and willingly, this out of the world Peace, the peace that people are searching for today. Peace that people are trying to have by doubling their exercise. You'll have noticed on the television that the, the BBC and other channels, they're ruling out their greatest comedy hits ever to search for peace. But here's God saying, I have this perfect peace and it's free and available. And this passage tells us a little bit, little bit of what the God who gives this peace is like. In verse 4, trust in the Lord. You see that's that special name for God. All in capitals. This God who, uh, who has always been and is and always will be. This God who makes a great promise to sinners to save sinners and be their God. This God who revealed himself ultimately in the I am himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice in verse 4 in the second line of it, that it's the Lord God. And interestingly, it's, not, it's put in our English Bibles all in capitals. It's literally Yah, Yahweh, the one who is every cell of this universe under his rule, this great living God. You'll see in our verse also, in verse 4, he's called the everlasting rock. It's this verse, I think, that the hymn writer 
took his inspiration for when he wrote his song, The Rock of Ages. Here's one who can't and doesn't change. Here's the God who's reliable. Here's the God who has everlasting strength. Here's the God who's the fixed place, the firm place, the place of rescue in the storm. And here's the God who gives peace. The message of the Bible is that there's one way to know the peace of God. And the way to know the peace of God is to be at peace with God. The scriptures tell us that there's one way of peace with God. Not in our religious efforts, not in our best shot, but through the finished work of the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ, and what he did on Calvary's cross. How wonderfully comforting that is. There's just one person to go to for peace. The Lord God. May I ask you to listen today. Is this great, sovereign Lord your God? Thirdly, we want to think of the path of peace. Need for peace, the promise of peace, and the path of peace. How important it is for us to realize that in this world, even as a Christian, we will not have unbroken, utterly perfect peace. That's not going to happen in this world. That we will have plain sailing and ease in our hearts 24-7 all our days. One day that will be the case. One day God will say to his people in glory, not just peace, peace, but peace, peace, peace. And there'll be no hint of anything that would spoil our peace. One day for the Christian, there'll be nothing to be anxious about. There'll be nothing to be fearful of. But just now, there is. And God has this offer for us. You will keep him in peace, peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. We want it, don't we? We, we want as much of this as we can have this side of heaven. We want it now. We want it for tonight. We want it for tomorrow morning. We want it for the crisis as it unfolds. We want this, Lord. And you notice that God sets out for us very clearly how it comes to us. It's from God. He's the giver of it. It's one of his great gifts, but he sets out the direction for us, the pathway. And you'll see it in our verse. Whose mind is stead on you. So he's speaking to us about the staying, the staking down of our mind. We used to caravan when our children were smaller and uh, because there were a lot of us, we had a small caravan, but we had a, a large awning that we attached. 
tent that we put to the side of our awning and attached to the caravan. And really a very dangerous thing. It just made things like a big giant kite. But I had this very large strap that went out over the awning and two huge uh, stakes that were hammered into, deep into the ground and it was strapped down. It gave it stability. It stayed it all down. Perhaps it might be better to think in this situation of the staying down of our lives as two steel cables and two giant rock bolts. The idea of the word here, stead, is to, is to anchor. It's, it's a riveting down of, of, of our lives on the rock of ages. God is saying to us, do you want shalom, shalom? Well then, let your mindset be anchored on Jesus Christ. Let your mind, your life be stayed on him. Uh, my family would tell you that watching television with me is not a very pleasant thing. If I've got the remotes, I have the attention span of a goldfish when it comes to watching television. I can't think of a program that I've watched from beginning to end. Uh, it'll be a few minutes of grand design, flick over for a few minutes of car SOS, I, I'm sad I know, and flick over for a few moments of Newsnight. Well, perhaps we lack peace, peace, because we're flicking on and off from the rock of ages. God's saying we're to stay our minds on him. We not find peace these days in the next bulletin from the government. We not find peace, peace in the next report of the, of the experts. You keep him in peace, peace whose mind is stead on you because he trusts in you. It means being in the word of God. It means thoughtfully and prayerfully thinking about the Lord Jesus Christ on every page. It'll mean when we're singing our psalms in our homes, riveting our minds on Jesus Christ, It'll mean meditating on him day and daily about his sovereign rule. It'll mean riveting our, our hearts on his unbreakable love. God is saying, let your mind be bolted down on Jesus Christ. He's greater than coronavirus. He's wiser than the experts. He knows everything that they're all trying so uh, mightily to try and find out you keep him in peace peace whose mind is stead on you John Calvin the great reformer has a slightly different take on this whole verse don't like to argue with him his take on this verse it's maybe not so easy to see in our English translation, but John Calvin had more ability than me, and he knew that the scriptures in their original setting, and he said that 
really the thrust of this text is that, is that it is the fixed thought of God that you will have this peace. I like to take both of those things together, actually, and not up for either or. Well, it is our, 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 the calling of God to our lives to have our minds fixed on our Savior. At the same time to remember that it's the fixed thought of him that we know his peace. How wonderfully encouraging. So as you bang in the thunderbolts of your thinking into the rock of ages, be sure that the Prince of Peace, that the desire of his heart is that we know his peace. And that's exactly what happens. He gives his people peace. I have several books in my study that are simply the records of the testimonies of men and women from the late 1600s and early 1700s. Christian men and women who died because they loved Jesus Christ and they acknowledged him to be the king of all the earth. One young man I was reading just at the end of last week, his name was James Rennick. He was a minister and he was in prison because he proclaimed that Christ was the king and was sentenced to death. And he wrote out his testimony so that people could read it uh, when he was dead and gone. It's a very long testimony. I'll just read a sentence from it. He says towards the end of his last words, and he's in prison, knowing that he's going to die. Soon the drummer will be beating and coming to lead him to the scaffold. He wrote this. I have had many joyful hours and not a fearful thought since I came to this prison. He has strengthened me to outbrave man and outface death. You see, he keeps in perfect peace those whose minds are still on him because they trust in him, trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Well, it's our challenge to trust in him. And we find it difficult and we fail in our trusting. We remember also that though God gives us this command to trust in him, we'll not do that as we ought and as we could. But there was one he did, and that was Jesus Christ. What comfort these words must have been for him going out into the storm to face the, the wrath of his heavenly father for the sins of many that would be laid on him. He trusted in his father perfectly. And in his heart he knew that his father's love was even yet upon him though he was facing dereliction because he was bearing the sins of many. And because of what he accomplished, sinners like you and I, as we trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, can know peace with God. And having found peace with God and our sin pardoned, we can know this wonderful peace of God. I trust that all who listen today, that you know for yourself Jesus Christ 
who gives you this great promise of peace, perfect peace for those whose minds are stayed on him. Amen. We're going to sing as we conclude our worship from Psalm 112, the A setting of this psalm. Psalm 112. We're, we'll be singing the opening six verses. The tune is 186. Oh, praise the Lord, the man is blessed, who fears the Lord aright, the one who finds in his commands great pleasure and delight. 112a, 1 to 6, the tune is 186. Let us praise God. Oh, praise the Lord, the man is blessed to fears the Lord trust in you, our God and our Lord, forever. For you, O Lord, are the everlasting rock. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of God, the Holy Spirit, be with Christ's church. Amen. <laughs>